We're in the second part of a series on Thanksgiving. And uh, just to have a little fun, we entitled it Thanksgiving More Than Food and Football. It is more than food and football, but I got to tell you something, for much of my life, that's what I look forward to most at Thanksgiving was food and football. And let me make it really clear that food and football are okay. There's nothing wrong with either one of those. As I told you last Sunday, I plan to participate in both right after church today. Amen. But it's more than that. It's more than that. We're going to take our text uh, this morning from the book of Psalms. And a lot of our teaching today will come from the book of Psalms. Uh, Let me just mention what's coming up in our preaching uh, plans. Uh, The next series that I'm going to do is called Rise Up. Rise Up. And this is going to be a series of messages to the men of our church. To the men. And ladies, you're going to want to be here to make sure you write everything down that I say so you, can sh- so you can remind them about it a little bit later. So we're going to be talking to the men. God, um, I prayed and, you know, I was, I was open to God as I always am to preach whatever he wants me to. And I was really thinking this year, I had in my mind that I would be doing something on Christmas, Christmas series. But God um, stirred my heart about preaching to the men That as we go into the new year, guys, that we rise up as as men in our homes and men in our church. And let's be the spiritual leaders that it is very clear in the word of God that God wants us to be. So I want to just challenge you in that series and and, uh, call you to that. Then in January... January, we're going to have a, a fast. Now, a lot of you um, may not know very much about fasting, or you may have come from churches that never talked about it or never emphasized fasting. We're going to do a 21-day fast beginning on uh, January the 10th, and uh, we're going to ask everybody not to eat anything at all for 21 days. Just kind of see how that goes. And uh, if there's anybody left, we're going to keep the church going. All right? No, here's what we're doing. We'll teach you how that you can fast certain foods. You can fast on certain days and at certain times uh, during that 21-day period. Um, So we'll be teaching on that. But be praying about that. Be getting ready for that uh, right now. Don't wait until... January 10th to start focusing on fasting because I'll tell you something, when, you, when you're going to fast and you say, I don't even know why we would do it or whatever, we're going to teach you all that, um, you would focus on fasting um, just on that day. Don't do that. Do it now. Think about it now. Start reading about it now and praying about it now. And uh, then when we get there, you'll be ready to go and ask God to prepare you spiritually and prepare you physically and prepare you emotionally and mentally to get ready for that fast. It'll make it much, much more beneficial to you. We also have coming uh, during that same period of time, a ministry called Elijah House. I would encourage you to get on the internet and, um, and just uh, do a Google search on Elijah House. I believe it's ElijahHouse.com or .org. I believe that's right. And just begin to study what that ministry is all about. The leaders of that ministry from the West Coast are going to be coming here to Whitley to do a conference. 
And so we hope that you will be making plans for that conference. Uh, it's in your worship program. There's information in your worship program about that. Um, uh, I don't mean to, um, uh, you know, get you worried or um, uh, cause you to be anxious. But I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we are living in the last days. We really are. And Christ is going to return and we don't need to be playing church. We, you know what? We've been playing church in too many of our churches. It's time to get serious. It is time to lock in, focus in on God and just let God develop us into the kind of Christian he wants us to be. So putting that challenge out there to you and um, just be praying. Let's have great revival. Let's pray for great revival in our church, a move of God. Um, <clears throat> we are too many, too many churches, and, and I'm not just picking on our church, but we got too many Christians in too many churches that are just fence straddlers. They're just kind of, you know, kind of on the fence. Let's, let's get in with Jesus. Let's get into the Word of God. Let's get in uh, to allowing the Holy Spirit to rule our lives. I'm telling you, you'll be so much uh, more fulfilled and so much uh, joy, more joy-filled if you just, uh, just give up on the struggle and let God take control. And the people said, Amen. Psalm 107 verse 21 says in the King James Version, uh, Oh, that men, and that means humans, uh, most of the time when you see the word man or human or uh, the word man or men in the Bible, it means Human race, human race, it means all people. <laughs> it doesn't mean, excuse me, doesn't mean just males, it means all people. And that, this is one of those cases. Oh, that men, humans, would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. That verse simply means, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to them. Oh, that men would praise God for his goodness and wonderful works that he does for them. That's what that means. And then this verse is really the key to our series. And let them, who's them? Humans. Humans. You all do understand that God, you know, made all this wonderful stuff and then right at the end of creation he said, now... Now, I've got it all just right, like I want it. He said, now I'm going to make a creature who will live in this environment. And this creature will be my, my um, greatest creation. I'm going to make humans. I'm going to make men and women. And I'm going to make a creature that is, that is able to have a relationship with me. And I, I, I love my little kitty cats at home, but they, they, don't know, they don't even know who Jesus is. I've asked them. They don't know <laughs> who Jesus is. And you, and, you know, the little birds in the air, and the, they sing the song Jesus put in their heart, but they can't have a relationship with Jesus. Only humans can have a relationship with God. And he made us to have a relationship with him. Listen carefully now. He made us to love him and to worship him and to adore him. And he wants to bless us. God doesn't have bad plans for you. God has good plans for you. 
And he made us to love him and worship him. If you're not loving Jesus this morning, and you're not worshiping Jesus, and you haven't given your life to Jesus, I want to tell you that he loves you very, very, very much. So much that he died on a cross for you, was buried and rose from the dead. He did that for you, but he will not force you to love him. He will not force you to serve him. He wants you to choose to love him. He wants you to choose to serve him. And so it's really, really important that you do that. And you're not going to be fulfilled in life until that happens. I'm telling you. You can search for happiness and fulfillment wherever you want to. But you're never going to find it until you give your life to Christ. And I don't say that because I'm narrow-minded. I say that because God said that. God said that. Jesus said it. I don't know about y'all, but I just have a tendency to listen to somebody who was dead three days and then came back to life. I just have a tendency to believe what they say. Amen. And so, so as, as a human, God has created you. Here it comes. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Now, let's read that from the message, which is a paraphrase of the Bible. Let me just tell you that you need paraphrases of the Bible. Let me just mention a couple. Uh, there is a paraphrase called God's Word paraphrase. It's very good. Um, you can pick up uh, the Living Translation or the New Living Translation. All of these are Bibles that put the Bible in modern language so you can understand it more. And the message, we're going to read from the message here. It's a very good one. Let me read. Here's what, it, here's what Psalm 107, 21, 22 says out of the message. It says, so thank God for his marvelous love. <clears throat> for his miracle mercy, not just mercy. I love the way the message puts that, his miracle mercy. Anybody can give out some mercy, but only God can give out miracle mercy. Isn't that right? He says, for his miracle mercy to the children, that's us, he loves. Then verse 22, the key verse, offer thanksgiving sacrifices. Tell the world what he's done. Sing it out. Now I've heard some of you sing, and when you sing it out, you need to be in the car with the windows rolled up. But that's okay. Everybody's got a song, Amen. Everybody's got a song. I tell you, when I'm at home and shower, I sound like, buddy, I'm telling you, Tony Bennett. And Tony Bennett really ain't sounding all that good these days. He's kind of old. But anyway, um, we all have a song, a song in our heart. You've heard it said that talk is cheap, and that's what this message is about. God is calling us in this series to go from talk to action. To go from talking about being thankful and go from a holiday called Thanksgiving to a lifestyle of gratitude. Here's what God is calling us to do in this series. He's calling us to offer sacrifices of Thanksgiving. Sacrifices. And that's a very key word. What God wants from us is for our Thanksgiving to show. He wants it to show from our lives. He wants us to not be able just to articulate how grateful we are and talk about how grateful we are and say how grateful we are. He wants us to live like we're grateful. I mean, really, isn't it a bit of a 
hypocrisy to say, I am so thankful for all God does for me, but I'm not going to serve him. And I'm not going to volunteer at the church. I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to give him my life. But boy, I sure am thankful. That's what this message is about. It's about not just saying you're thankful for living, but living like you're thankful. Now, we're talking about offering sacrifices. And you may be sitting here going, well, I thought only the priest could offer sacrifices. Well, the Bible says you are a priest. In the writings of Peter in 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5, it says every person who has accepted Christ as their personal Savior is a priest. Y'all remember in the Old Testament, only the priest could go into the presence of God. Back in the Old Testament, they had had an edifice called the tabernacle. The tabernacle. You remember when Moses, Charlton Heston, you remember him? When he led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, you remember? And led them toward the promised land. They wandered around in the wilderness for how many years? Forty. You all do understand that had they obeyed God and made a... You know, I don't know much about math, but I did learn this. The uh, shortest distance between two points is a what? Amen. <laughs> and if they'd have made a straight line to the, to the promised land, it would have taken 11 days. It took them 40 years. And here's why. Because some of them were your ancestors. <laughs> and they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years because they were, they were disobedient. And they, they murmured and complained. And, and, and so every time they would not obey God, I mean, they worshiped idols. God delivered them from the cruel bite and sting of the taskmaster's whip back in Egypt. And uh, they, they didn't appreciate it. They were, listen, listen, unthankful. And because they were unthankful, they weren't allowed into the promised land. Listen, ingratitude, being unthankful will keep you out of the promised land. Keep you out of the promised land. So they wandered around in the wilderness and God developed a system where they could worship him in the wilderness. And it was the tabernacle. And it was a mobile worship facility. And you've probably seen pictures of it. You ought to go home and really study it because we're going to talk about it in detail next weekend. And, and there would be a, a gate or a door where they could come in and they would set up these posts and they would put up a fence that was made of animal skins. And everything, every animal skin meant something. Every, every part of the tabernacle was a picture of Jesus and the work of Jesus. And you would walk into the gate, the priest would, when he would walk into the gate, there was a brazen altar. And that's where he would offer the sacrifices. You remember last week we talked about that meat and how it wouldn't stay on the altar and they had to bind it to the altar. And that's, that's where they did that. And, and then after they had offered the sacrifices for their sin, then they were going to go into the presence of God. You can't go into the presence of God until you deal with the sin. And then when they dealt with the sin, they walked around the brazen altar, and then there was a a brazen laver. And there they would cleanse themselves. It is a picture of the sanctification of the believer, and we'll talk about that. It talks about the washing of the word, washing of the blood, and then the washing of the word. And then they would go from the laver into another edifice, another smaller edifice that was made up of two compartments. The first area they walked into was called the holy place. 
And the second area was called the Holy of Holies. The only people who could go in here was, were the priests who had been sanctified and gone through this process of cleansing and, and ceremonial cleansing, and only they were worthy. And if you went into the Holy of Holies and you were not worthy, you would die. So they were not really sure about everybody, so they would tie a rope around their ankle. That's right. They tie a rope around the priest's ankle. So if he wasn't living right and he went in there and got struck dead, they sure weren't going in there after him. So they'd drag him out. I'm not kidding you. It's in the Bible. You say, well, gee whiz, if you've got to do all that to come to God, I, I don't know if I can come into the presence of God. Here, here's what I'm telling you. When Jesus died on the cross, when he died on the cross, you remember as you, when you read in your Bible about Jesus dying, that, that all of a sudden there was this, this noise and this storm and this, and it was at that moment at the death of Jesus that the veil that separated men from the presence of God was rent. That means all of us, through the death of Jesus, his burial and resurrection, all of us now, can go into the holy of holies. Hallelujah. We've all been invited in to the very throne room of God where the Shekinah glory is. The Shekinah glory was that presence of God that was visible. I mean, you could see it with the naked eye. I don't know what it looked like. It's like maybe... Um, Maybe, a, I don't know, a blur in the air or smoke. I don't know what it was, but you could see it. And only the priest could go in there where that was until Jesus died on the cross and, and was buried and rose from the dead. And when Jesus died on the cross, was buried and rose from the dead, he, we are invited now to come how? Boldly into the very throne room of God. Isn't that awesome? Why don't we go in there more often? Isn't it amazing how we live outside of that and still try to fix our lives and go, I've got it, I've got it. Just go on in, man. And let him give you the power and the strength and, the, and all that you need to live victoriously in this world. So we won't talk about that next Sunday. You say, I think you just talked about it. Yeah, I know, but I'm going to talk about it some more next Sunday. Here's my point. You are a priest if you've accepted Jesus and if you have not accepted Jesus, you can do so today and become a priest and go right into the presence of God. But you got to walk through the gate. You, can't, you, can't, you know what Jesus said? You can't come up some other way. You can't come in some other way. You have to go through the gate by the altar where you deal with sin. Then to the laver and be cleansed in the word. And how often does that happen? Every day. It needs to happen every day. And then right into the presence of God. Wow. Powerful stuff. Last week we looked at the first sacrifice that we need to offer. And it is the, um, it is the sacrifice of your person. The sacrifice of your person. Uh, what, I, I, you know, I'd water it down if I could, but I can't. God wants you. I have people come in to my office for counseling, and, and, and a lot of times what they want is help with a problem. 
I mean, I'll help you as much as I can, but it isn't the problem. He wants, he wants your life. I mean, I have couples and I have individuals and I have young people and I have older people come in my office and here's what they want from God. Fix this so I can go out and live any way I want to live. I mean, I was living any way I wanted to live and got myself in a huge mess and now I'm all messed up about it and I need God to fix it. Let me tell you something. God will fix your stuff. I mean, he'll help you with it. But that isn't why. He wants you He wants your life. He don't want to just fix your messes. He wants you to commit yourself to him. He says it in Romans 12 and 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. So the first thing God wants you to give to him is you. You you know, we say, God, here, you know, I'll give you some of my talent. I'll give you some of my time. I'll give you some of my treasure. And then pretty much, God, I'm going to live my life anyway. I want to. God, tell you, man, God isn't going to settle for that deal. You say, well, why do I have to live under such bondage? It is a bondage. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, freedom. He says, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your... Um, spiritual service of worship. Now, here's what we're going to talk about today. The second thing God wants from you, and here's what, here's what these things are. Now, I want you to get this. These are five spiritual sacrifices that God wants you to offer. I'm going to give them to you over the next few weeks. Five spiritual sacrifices God wants you to offer to him. Listen to me now. And, and these are ways that we show God we are genuinely thankful that we have gone from talk to lifestyle, from just talking about being grateful to really living a life of thanksgiving, living a life that shows God. You know what? I love it when my kids tell me they love me, but I really like it when they show me. God's the same way. He's a daddy. He loves it when you tell him. We told him this morning in our songs how much we loved him and You know, we tell him when we pray, we tell him when we worship God, how much we love him, but he likes for you to show it. And what I hope you'll do is get a little three by five card, and I hope that you'll write these five things down and put the scripture reference beside of them. And through the year of 2010, I hope you'll pull that card out and go, am I doing that one? Am I doing that one? Am I showing God how thankful I am by that one and that one and that one? And kind of do a self-evaluation. That's how you stay spiritually healthy is you do honest evaluation of yourself and where you are with God. You do honest evaluation. So the first one you'd have on that card is God wants me. He wants me. That's my first sacrifice, Romans 12 and 1. Number two, God wants a sacrifice of praise. Praise. God wants my praise. He doesn't just want my person. He wants my praise. He wants me to praise him. Where's that in the Bible? Hebrews 13, 15. Hebrews 13, 15. By him, and that him is Jesus. By him, through Jesus, because that's the only way you can do it. Let us offer the sacrifice. Now watch this. Watch this now. When they walked in that tabernacle... 
the, before, they could, before they could go into the presence of God, they had to deal with sin. Before they could offer their praise, before they could offer their worship, they had to deal with sin. That's what that verse is talking about. By Jesus, by, listen, 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 by the cross, by the cross of Calvary, by the blood of the Lamb, by Jesus, by Jesus, let us therefore offer praise, but you can't offer praise until you do it through who? You say, that's pretty narrow-minded. I, hey, I, Jesus said it was narrow-minded. Jesus said narrow is the way that leads to heaven. Narrow is the way that leads in the right direction. So if the world wants to go, you know, if somebody wants to come to Whitley and go, yes, I went out there and listened to that preacher. He's very narrow. You got it. You may not ever come back, but you're exactly right. We don't preach Oprah chapter 4 verse 7 here at Whitley Church. That says, always lead to heaven. Always don't lead to heaven. I'm telling you right now, uh, I went on that vacation to Florida, and uh, the church owns, because somebody gave it as a gift, the church owns one of those um, GPS things, gave that to us. Thank God for that. I cussed less on this vacation (laughs) than any vacation I've ever been on, didn't I, baby? I did good, didn't I? First lady's right there, and she knows. She said, man, a lot less cussing on this vacation. It was awesome. Because this woman comes on and goes, turn left, right up here. And you know what I found out? If I wanted to go to Florida, I couldn't say get on Interstate 95 and go north because always lead to Florida. Every road leads to Florida. No, it don't. If you get on 95 going north, you are not going to end up in Florida. And people go, you know, Jesus is one way, but all roads lead to God. No, they don't. Satan would love for the world to buy into that. There's one road. One road. You say, here comes that narrowness. You're exactly right. I'm narrow. There's one road, guys. It's Jesus. Jesus said, by me you come to the Father. There's how many other ways? You say, so you're going to stick with that and preach that? Yeah, because I'm kind of wanting to go to heaven when I die. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 13, 15, by him let us therefore offer the sacrifice of what? To who? How? That is the fruit of our lips, what? Given what? Just in November, right toward the end of the month. No. (laughs) Giving thanks how often? All the time, continually. And we're giving thanks to what? It's right at the end. We're giving thanks to what? His name. Don't just love the world and how they talk about Thanksgiving. Just be thankful. Just be thankful. To who? Oh, just anybody. No. His name. His, see, the world doesn't want to say that, man. They're not going to say that. 
The news media is not going to say that. They're going to put turkeys up there and pilgrims, but they ain't going to talk about what Thanksgiving. It's to God. It is to Jehovah. It is to Yahweh, the God of the Bible, the only true and living God. It is to his name. Now I want to read that out of the Amplified Bible. If you don't have that Bible, you need to get it. If you got the internet, you got it because it's on there free. Hebrews 13, 15 in the Amplified says, through him, through him, through who? Who's him? Jesus. Through him, therefore, let us how? And when? Offer up the God of sacrifice of? Which is the fruit of lips. You ever heard somebody say, I am very thankful. And I'm just full of praise. I just keep it in. I just keep it right here. It's in my heart. Hey, dude, try that with your wife. She'll go, it may be in your heart, but you better speak it occasionally. Okay? He says, he says, offer to God sacrifices of praise, which is the what? Fruit of lips. Speak it. Speak out your thanksgiving. Speak out your praise. Speak out your appreciation for God. You know something? We're, we're real open about showing appreciation and thanks to other people. But boy, when it comes to God, we still all that. So we don't want to seem over spiritual. You know? It is the fruit of our lips. That we thankfully acknowledge. How do we acknowledge? Thankfully. And confess and glorify his name. Now, let me hurry up because time's running out. So I want you to think of your praise as a sacrifice offering. I'm telling you, man, if we can just forget about, you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know what people think. when I'm, It don't matter what people think when you're praising God. It isn't to them. You know, a little boy said the prayer one time at, at breakfast or lunch, and his mom said, I couldn't hear you. He said, I was not talking to you. <clears throat> and then he got up off the floor and finished his lunch. <sighs> but we're not, guys. I'm telling you right now. If you will walk in here on a, on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whenever, and you just say, you know, this is all about God, and just love on him and worship him. And those of you who are so concerned about what somebody else is doing while they're worshiping God, if you'll just quit worrying about what everybody else is doing, you worship God your way and focus on him, you won't even see what everybody else is doing. I mean, we come to church and we're like, hmm. We ought to be... Right up there. It's all about him. Look up. Look up. Now, I've got good news for some of you. Did you know that God would rather have your praise than your money? Now, some of you about to get happy now, aren't you? <laughs> some of you, I, was, I wasn't with you. I, I didn't know what more you were talking about. But when you said praise instead of money, I'm like, whoo, I'm about to get happy and start praising God now. Because God would rather have that than have my money. I'm telling you, the Bible says if your praise is genuine, it is of more value to God than your offerings. Now, it is not a substitute. You say, I knew he's going to say that. 
It's not a substitute for generosity, but the Bible tells us that our worship is more valuable than, than our money. Look at Psalm 69, 30, 31. Psalm 69, 30, 31. Now, I'm going to read this out of the contemporary English version. Listen. I will praise the Lord God with a song. Everybody's got a song. Some of you need to keep yours on a low level, but everybody's got a song. Amen? Did our choir sing a song this morning? Man, those three people stand up here on the front. That's some of the best lip syncing I've ever heard in my life. Man, put Millie Vanilli to shame, I am telling you. Thank you, choir. That was beautiful this morning. Psalm 69, 30, I will praise the Lord with a song and a what? Thankful heart. This will please the Lord better than offering an ox or a full-grown bull. Here's what that verse means. God would rather have your praise than your bull. I just read it. It's in the Bible. I don't care who you tell I said, right there it is. We're offering a bunch of bull and God wants your praise. (laughs) I'm so glad that's in the Bible. That's awesome. Back in that day, if a man had an ox or a full-grown bull, that man had to be wealthy. To possess that. Back in that day, if a man had brought an ox or a full-grown bull to church and give it to the church, it would have been like somebody driving up this morning on a brand new Mercedes and saying, I just want to give that to the church. Now, let me make something real clear. (laughs) We are open to that. (laughs) We are open to that. And, And I would... I would go places on that vehicle, but it would not be as important to God as your worship and your praise and your thanksgiving. Hebrews 13, 15, look at it again. Through him, through Jesus, therefore let us how? Constantly. Everybody say constantly, continually, at all times. Offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. Listen, listen to this. You do not come to church to praise God. You do not come to church to praise God. You bring your praise. You bring it. You bring your praise. You're already praising him, aren't you? So you just bring it. Bring it with you. We don't come to church to commence our worship. We come to church to continue Our worship constantly, we're to be thanking him. Constantly, we're to be offering up sacrifices of worship and thanksgiving. The reason a lot of us don't worship well corporately as a body is because we're not doing any worship privately. (laughs) Sounded a little bit like a funeral when I said that, didn't it? (laughs) The reason we're not real good at it when we come in here is because this is the only time we're doing it. I'm just really not comfortable. With that fellow in front of me who's raising you. <laughs> well, again, if you were looking up, you wouldn't see him. Another thing is you don't know what God's done for him. 
You don't know what God's healed him of, delivered him from, set him free from. You don't know. You don't know what that is. Millie and I, two weeks ago today, were sitting in um, Raymond James Stadium watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win their first game of the year. And they were happy. I believe I heard glory from somebody. It's amazing that the world can get together and get freaky about a bag of air. A guy taking a a leather bag of air and running down a cow pasture across a goal line People frit shooting cannons. Boom! You know that big boat at the end of Raymond James Stadium, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Every time they score, they shoot a cannon. Boom! And every time they did, Millie jumped out of her seat. Woo! But Jesus rose from the dead, and we're supposed to come in here and Look like we just got through sucking a persimmon, you know, sucking a lemon. Good morning. Welcome to Whitley. Good morning. Good morning. But if your nephew for the Princeton Bulldogs runs a touchdown, you up there. But then Jesus comes forth from the dead and we're supposed to button it all up and stay Give me a major break right there now. Amen. I'm telling you. If you'll do it privately, you'll be better at it when we get together. You say, well, I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't act like that at ball games, no matter what happens, and I'm not going to act like that at church. You know what? We're not trying to get you to act anyway. We just want you to come and out of your heart glorify your king You know why people come to Jesus? You know why people come to church? They don't come because of your lights and your videos and your fancy music and your skits. They come because Jesus is real in that house. Because Jesus is real in the house. You go to Mark chapter 2 and the Bible says these four guys were on their way to church and they picked up this crippled man who was laying on a mat and when they got to that house they couldn't get in it because Jesus was in there. And when you get Jesus in the house, it's going to attract. It's going to attract. Amen, amen, amen. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Let me close. Psalm 34, 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. Y'all remember that old song? We used to sing that old song. If y'all don't remember, everybody better say, yeah, or I'm going to start singing it. Y'all remember? I will bless the Lord at all times. Bless the Lord. And its praise will continually be in my mouth. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? I can bust out a song. I... Bless the Lord at all times and his praise will what? Continually be where? It's in my heart. It's in my heart. No, in your This means we're not to worship God grudgingly. People come to church and they go, well, 
See if the, see if the praise team can get me going. I tell you, last Sunday, they just didn't have it. They just didn't have it. And then that crazy Richard guy was up there. I, they just didn't get me going. I just didn't get going. I, they need to practice more. No, you need to worship at home. And then you come in here, you'd be shouting if they're singing Jimmy Crack Corn. I'm telling you right now. You'd be praising God, you know. Amen. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Woo! God made the stars. I mean, you'd be happy about everything, you know. God made the corn. Jimmy cracked it. Hallelujah. You know, you'd be. <clears throat> but we analyze, man. We come to church and analyze. And, and we just put everything through our, through our, um, we reason things. And we analyze and we look at, question. Why don't you just come look at Jesus? Just come look at Jesus, and then you won't worship grudgingly. It's a shame. There's never a time when a Christian ought to have to be begged to worship God. There's never a time when, when, when a person who's been adopted into God's family, when a person who's been forgiven of all their sins and said, you don't have to go to hell when you die now, you get to go to heaven and and even before all of that happens, I'm going to feed you and take care of you and clothe you. And I'm going to bless your children and your house. And I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to love on you. And I'm going to meet all your needs. And I mean, why would you have to beg somebody to worship a, a being that's done all that for you? But I'm telling you, we come to church sometimes. Boy, I can see Pastor Andy up here and Jerry. They're pumping that pump. Come on, trying to get that baby primed. Somebody praise God. Somebody say amen. Praise God. I just don't feel good today. I just don't. You know what? Jesus didn't feel good. When he had that cross on his back, walking up Calvary's hill, he didn't feel good that day, but he did it for you and for me. Sacrifices of praise. Really, when you study that word, sacrifices of praise, it means praising God no matter what the emotion. See there, look, let me just make praise simple for you. There are only two times you have to do it. There are only two times in your life that you have to praise God. When you feel like it and when you don't. Those are the only times that God expects you to praise Him. When you feel like it and when you don't. Matter of fact, when you don't is when you need to most. But it breaks God's heart. when We have to be pleaded with and begged to, to express our love to Him. One old hymn said, let those who... Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. In other words, the only people who ought to not have a song in their heart is the ones who don't know him. That song means if you know him, there ought to be a song in your heart. There ought to be praise in your heart. You should never have to be coerced. Coerced. But God in his love made our worship a free will offering. Let's read it in Psalm 119, 108. He will never make you praise him. He will never make you love him. He will never make you say you love him. He will never make you express your love to him. Because this is what the psalmist said. He said, except I pray the free will. Everybody say free will. You don't have to praise him. It's your choice, your free will. 
except the free will offerings of my mouth. When I was an evangelist and um, traveled all over the country, I would come home when I'd been away and my boys were little. And uh, I'd drive up in the yard after having been gone a long time and it would have broken my heart to know that my wife would have had to say to my boys, you know, daddy's been gone a long time. Y'all run out there and give daddy some love. She didn't have to tell them of their own free will. Because they loved me. They ran to me. God doesn't want you to love on him because somebody pumped you up and begged you and said, please praise God. He doesn't want that. He wants free will. Free will praise. Free worship to him. Father, thank you for your word today. And I think maybe, God, there's some people here who don't even know you. Maybe we've been kind of preaching on something that they don't even relate to because they've not even accepted you as their Savior. They've not even accepted you as their, as their Lord and Savior yet. And God, we just pray that they would. See, if you don't know him this morning, if you've never said, I am a sinner, I am lost, I need Jesus. If you've never admitted that, if you've never said that, if you've never said, Jesus, I've been running from you and making excuses, but no more. Come into my heart and forgive my sins. And give me new life in you. If you've never said that or words like that, you don't have to say those exact words just in your own way. Just say to Jesus right now, I need you in my life, Jesus. I need you as a daddy. I need you as a mom. I need you, God, as it relates to every part of my life. I need you. And God, I need you because you complete me. You give me hope. You give me love. You give you you. You created me so you could live inside of me. And so I invite you to come into my life. Can you say that right now to Jesus? Just say that right now, right there where you are. Just say, Jesus, come in. Come in my heart. Forgive my sins. And help me to be a worshiper. That I would offer sacrifices of praise. Continually, constantly, and at all times. That they would be in my mouth, those free will offerings of praise. God, deal with our hearts. Deal. Don't, don't let us walk away from the word of God today and say, that was nice. What are we having for lunch? But God, work this word in us. Work it in us, God. Stir it, marinate us in it. That we might become worshipers, genuine Offering up sacrifices of praise. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, listen. If you're one of our guests today, we have a gift for you right back here. So if you're a first-timer, go right back there to our Guest Welcome Center. Pick up your gift. Don't forget your Christmas cards. Don't forget to bless the people going to Kentucky. God bless you guys. Thank you for coming to church today. Be sure and say hello to John and Steph. Or actually, goodbye, I guess. <laughs>